Sir. And our first speaker is Seda Sakaguchi. Now, some of you know him, but it's been five years since Seda and Emma were sent out from here. And so I want to introduce him for those who don't know him. Um, Seda is from Japan. And um, we have an early picture of Seda and his sister. Isn't he cute? He always had a thing for fashion, didn't he? Now, in 1996, Seda left his home in Japan and he arrived at George Mason University as an international student, not knowing a soul here. So there he is. This is when rollerblades were still popular. But, but seriously, this is, this is one of the reasons why we're passionate about reaching out to international students. While Seda was at George Mason, very good student, very hard worker, he... he studied, he received a bachelor's and master's degree uh, in music, and while he was here, people reached out to him. People from this church reached out to him, and he eventually came to faith in Christ. In 2002, he began an internship serving at the church here, and was trained and then eventually ordained as a pastor. In 2004, he married Emma, and Emma's parents, Graham and Jenny Jocelyn, are here. Graham and Jenny, it's great to have you here this morning. Welcome. So, um, and then um, in uh, 2014, uh, Seda and Emma and their four children followed God's call to a place almost completely unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the city of Tokyo. 38 million people. That's more people than live in the country of Canada. 38 million people, almost no Christians. So at the end of the service this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to invest in the ministry in Tokyo. That's what this little card is. It'll be a, a grace-filled opportunity to invest. But before we have a chance to do that, we want you to hear from Seda and to hear more about the Lord's Prayer. So please welcome Seda as he comes to open the series. Rachel Ball, you are in trouble. How in the world did you get hold of those pictures? Emma. Emma. Oh, man. Man, Vince looked so young and skinny. Well, it is so good to be back here with you. I've been looking forward to this, and um, every time I come here and sing praises to God together uh, with you all, uh, this just feels home to me, and so good to be here to, you know, raise our voices to, to our God together, and so many familiar faces and some new faces. Um, it's just so good to be here, and thank you for uh, praying for us, and uh, See if there's a picture of um, Toyota Community Church. Yep, that's that's our little church in in Toyosu. And uh, I bring you greetings from Toyosu Community Church. And Emma and the kids wish they could be here um, to praise God with you guys. But uh, unfortunately, this is this time I came here by myself. And um, but thank you for just expressions of your love and care for us. Uh, I can't believe it's been almost five years since we left to go to Japan, but um, all these years you have prayed for us and expressed your love and care for us in so many different ways. So thank you for uh, your love and care for us and um, just looking forward to sharing God's word with you today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, I invite you to open to Matthew chapter 6 and I'm going to read the entire prayer again. I know Kenneth read this uh, this morning. Uh, we read it together, uh, the Lord's Prayer. But I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, all the way through verse 13. Uh, and particularly this morning, we're, we're going to focus on uh, verse 9. So starting at uh, verse, verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. This is our Lord Jesus speaking. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's word to us. Let's pray together and ask God's blessing. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you as we, as we approach your throne of grace. We approach with confidence because of your son Jesus to receive grace and mercy from you. We want, to, we want our hearts and our lives to be conformed to the image of your son and conform to your will. We want to think about the way you think about things and we want to feel things the way you feel things and we want to live our lives to honor and glorify you. So would you conform us to the image of your son Jesus as we approach your word and pray for your blessing upon your word and we ask for your spirit's ministry here Give us ears to hear your voice speaking to us. In our hearts, we want our hearts to be transformed by the hearing of your word as your spirit applies the truths to your hearts to transform. All for your glory, we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Japan, people don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but it's, uh, it's a great excuse for us to gather with our community, uh, gather our friends to, to, to talk about the meaning of Thanksgiving, and it's just a great excuse to uh, have a good time with our community. So each year, we've hosted a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, there should be a picture of this year's Thanksgiving one. Um, at this year's gathering, we were glad to see a good number of men uh, come to our Thanksgiving dinner. Um, we've been asking you all to pray for our engagement with the men in our community. Uh, they're hard to catch, and they're all busy, and they're uh, pursuing their uh, successes, and so it's hard to catch them. But um, So we were glad to have uh, several men come to our Thanksgiving dinner to deepen relationship with us. But we were surprised to see one particular husband show up. Now, his wife has been uh, a good friend of ours since the beginning of our time in Japan, and she's been part of our community, although even though she's not yet a believer. Um, but her husband, he, he has never come to any of our gatherings before. We would see each other on the streets, and, you know, we would say hi, but, but no traction relationally. And so we were surprised that he showed up by himself with his two boys without his wife. And so we were, we were surprised. And he stayed the whole time and engaged in conversation, so it's just great. Um, a few days later, after the Thanksgiving dinner, we find out uh, from her that th this couple had gone out for a long walk together uh, previously, and they, they had a chance to talk. And he had just switched, uh, switched jobs, and it had been a particularly a very difficult season for him. And uh, because of the, all the pressure that he was experiencing uh, at this new job. And so she started describing how, how she has enjoyed being a part of our church community and how she has been supported and, and cared for by, by our church community. And then he apparently told her, well, maybe we should go to church. Now, I did not expect to hear him. I, I, probably would have uh, placed him at the, at the end of the line to say something like this. I did not expect to hear him say something like that at all. I was shocked, but, but I was encouraged at the same time that there was any movement uh, relationally toward us, um, however small may be. And at Toyosu Community Church, we saw two people get baptized this year uh, in, uh, in the summer. And one was a good friend of Emma's since the beginning of our time in Japan. And that was, a, that was certainly a highlight uh, for us to see her get baptized. And we were grateful for God's gracious work in our midst. We're very grateful um, to see any progress in the gospel that uh, we're seeing in Japan. But as we look around, though, 
the overall picture of the church in Japan is pretty bleak. Satan has blinded the minds of the people to keep them from seeing the glory of God in the face of Jesus. I've shared these numbers with you. 126 million people, Japanese people, less than 0.5% evangelical Christian population, second largest unreached people group in the world. Now, these are numbers that many of you have heard about Japan. But did you know that the largest unreached people group, which is in Bangladesh, the largest unreached people group in Bangladesh, the Christian population among them is growing. But in Japan, the evangelical Christian population is shrinking. So from 1948, after the World War II, a second wave of missionaries, Protestant missionaries, went to Japan. And, and since then, the number of Christians, the number of churches kept growing until about 2008, when the, when the growth curve took a, a reverse direction and started shrinking. Aging congregations, retiring pastors, churches with no shepherds, no youth, People are dying and declining attendance, churches closing their doors. These are the words that you hear about the church in Japan, the state of the churches in Japan. So what must we do? Well, we know we should pray, but how do you pray when Christians have been, for decades, if not for centuries, Christians have been praying for Japan, praying for a revival to come to Japan, and praying for the gospel to take root in Japan with little apparent progress. How do you, how do you keep on praying when there's so little progress that's apparent? How do you pray when God doesn't seem to be responding to our prayers? How do you pray when you're just not sure if prayer makes any difference. Does God care about Japan? Does, does God see this? Does he have the power to change this situation? Does he have the power to do anything about this? How can we pray? Where do we start? Well, Jesus has given us instructions on how to pray, and it's this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Now, when we come to the Lord's Prayer, I don't know what your experience was like this morning uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer, but we have probably heard so many sermons on this particular prayer. And we have memorized this prayer. We have recited this prayer in church so many times. And, and because we're so familiar with this, this uh, prayer, uh, our tendency when we, when we come to a, a message on the Lord's Prayer, our tendency can be to just check out mentally. Thinking, okay, I, I know this, I know this prayer. You know, I can I can recite it. And so our tendency is to check out, but before you check out though, let me just say, in preparation for this message, as I have been meditating on this passage, meditating on this prayer, and as I have been praying this prayer over and over and over again, I've been just surprised and, and freshly amazed by how much is actually in this particular prayer. J.R. Packer calls this prayer a marvel of compression. There's so much in there. He even said, uh, uh, all you need to know about the Christian life is right there in this prayer. Over the next several weeks, as Mark mentioned, we're going to be hearing messages, different messages on this particular prayer. And this prayer is not, not just a prayer to, to recite verbatim, just like we did this morning, although that's helpful as well. Rather, it's, it, this prayer is a model prayer that, that can deepen our prayer as we expand the thoughts of each line as we pray. Jesus said, pray then like this. So he's not, he's not saying like pray these words, but he said, pray then like this in verse 9. And so he's teaching us to pray along these lines, along these lines of this prayer and use this prayer as a launching pad for us to pray for different things. Now, I titled this message, A Prayer That Shakes the World, and, and I don't mean it, mean it as, a, as a hype. I really do believe that. It's a simple yet profound and profoundly powerful prayer. 
And as we come together as God's people to pray this prayer together, as we, um, as we start this new year, 2019, and as you engage in this 40 days of prayer together as a church, I believe that we will see God do amazing things in your midst and around the world as we pray for different people in these places. So let's, let's take a look at the first two lines of this prayer in, in, uh, uh, in turn. And so first, let's, let's look at the first phrase of this prayer, our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Now Jesus instructs his follower to address God as, as Father. Now this, this was not a typical practice in a Jewish culture. And perhaps even, it was even shocking for the followers of Jesus to hear Jesus say this, to address God as Father. It's a very uh, uh, familial and intimate address that, that he's using. They just didn't do that back then in the Jewish culture. But in Jesus' teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, of which this uh, passage is part of, uh, between Matthew chapter 5 and, five and 7, um, on, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses the word, this, this, this word Father, at least 16 times. Now, what does that te teach us about what Jesus is trying to say? Jesus wants his followers to know that they can come to God as their father who loves them and cares for them. That's what Jesus wants them to know. The rest of the New Testament speaks of, of uh, God adopting us as his children through Jesus. Passages like Ephesians 1.5, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, 4 and 5, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son so that we might receive adoption as sons. So when we pray this, this, at the outset of this prayer, our Father in heaven, at the outset of this prayer, we're immediately reminded of this amazing privilege that we have of being God's children, which God granted to us at the cost of his son. Not every person has the privilege of calling God our Father. Remember that. Only, only those who have trusted in Jesus to be the mediator, to reconcile them to God. If, if you were here last week, um, Mark preached from Matthew chapter 2, um, where God uh, fulfilled the prophecy, out of Egypt I called my son. If you remember that. Um, as Jesus came out of Egypt with Joseph, as God uh, brought, brought them back to Israel. Uh, so we were reminded that we're all sons and daughters of God through the true son, Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So to pray our Father is to pray through Jesus. Without Jesus, we cannot call God our Father. Now, being God's children, we must realize what that means as we, as we come to pray this prayer, our Father in heaven. Being God's children means God loves us just as he loves Jesus. Do we realize that? God calling us our children, our children in Jesus, God loves us just like, just as he loves Jesus. What God said over Jesus, remember at Jesus' baptism, the voice came down from heaven and, and, and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What, G, what God said about Jesus at that moment, that pronouncement is ours. God says that same thing over us. He's well pleased with us. Do you know that? He's delighted in us. He loves us just like he loves Jesus. But God is not just our father, but it says Jesus t teaches us to address God as our father in heaven. This phrase in heaven reminds us that he's, he's transcendent. He is the creator of the universe who is all-powerful, all-wise, and, and he is in control of everything in the world. This means that God not only loves and cares, cares for us as a father, 
but he also has the sovereign power to absolute sovereign power to provide for for our every need. And unlike any faulty picture of human fathers that we are so familiar with, I'm included in that. Unlike any faulty picture of human fathers, he is our father in heaven. He is perfect. He never forgets us. He never ceases to care for us. He never is too busy, but he always has time for us. He never abandons us. He never fails us. He will always be by our side until the end. All of that. All of that is packed into this phrase, a father in heaven. When you pray, when you, when you approach God in prayer, when you come to God in prayer, is that the picture of God that you have in your mind? A loving father who is delighted, a loving father who wants to spend time with you, a loving father who is ready and eager and has all the power in the world to, to care for you and love for you and provide for you. Is that the picture of God that you have when you approach God in prayer? Or is he a frowning and distant father whose bad side you've been on recently because you just haven't measured up? In the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, do you remember that story? The son, the youngest son, basically tells the father that he wished him dead. And he takes his inheritance, he goes away to a far country, and he spends all his inheritance in this, in this hedonistic, pleasure-seeking, sinful lifestyle. He spends it all. And meanwhile, what is the father doing? He's looking. He's watching the horizon. He's waiting for his son to come back. And at the first sight of his son, he runs towards the son, and he embraces him, and he kisses him. Now, do you know why, why the father runs out to meet his son? He hadn't seen, seen this son in a long time. So he must have been happy to see him, I'm sure. But more than that, he runs out to the son because the father knew that if the people in the village found out, got to him first, they might beat him up or humiliate him for, for shaming his family. So the father runs out before anyone could do anything to his son. The father covers the nakedness and the shame of his son. And he restores the honor of a son to him. That, that's the picture of who God is to us in Jesus he runs out to us out of his great compassion for us. And, and through Jesus who hung on the cross naked, taking on the shame and punishment that we deserve, through him he welcomes us as his sons and daughters whom he loves. This is, this is insane. This is amazing. He is a father. He loves you. He is delighted in you. If you are a Christian... This work has been done already. He is your father. He loves you and he delights in you. The Heidelberg Catechism, uh, question 120, 120 reads like this. Uh, there should be a quote. Yes. Why did Christ command us to call God our father? Answer. At the very beginning of our prayer, Christ wants to kindle in us what is basic to prayer. The childlike awe and trust that God through Christ has become our Father. It's an amazing privilege that we get to call God our Father in heaven. So that's the first thing Jesus taught us, to come to God and address him as our Father in heaven. But as we come to God as our Father in heaven... What did Jesus teach us to pray first? What's the first thing Jesus taught us to pray? And that's this petition. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now in Japan, there are so many Shinto shrines. Everywhere you go, it seems like there's, there's a shrine there. And uh, especially on New Year's Day, 
a lot of people descend on these uh, Shinto shrines everywhere in Japan, and, and they, they come, and if you're there on New Year's Day, you'll see so many hundreds, and if not thousands of people come to pray at, this, uh, at these shrines. Now, most of them, most of them have no idea who they're praying to. In Shinto, in Shintoism, there's something like 8 million gods, and most of them have no idea who they're praying to. They're not there to worship any, any type of god. They're there to worship their own desires. Now, most people go to these places to pray because they want something. They want a job. They want a relationship. They want good grace. They, they want to pass this uh, entrance exam to colleges or whatever. Most people want something, so they go to these places, and somehow they're hoping to obtain what they want by, by throwing money into this box and, and praying there to who knows who. It's like a vending machine approach to prayer. Now, lest we fall into the same error when we come to the true God, true, the only true and living God, only to get what we want, lest we fall into the same error. Jesus has taught us to pray this prayer, hallowed be your name. Now, we don't use this word a lot, right? I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're using hallowed in your sentence, like, you know, daily, you know, day-to-day basis, you might, you might get some funny stares. <coughs> We don't, we don't use this word in our daily conversation, but we all pray this Lord's Prayer so many times, countless times. How many of us have prayed this, this phrase, hallowed be your name, without really understanding what the gravity of what we're really praying for? Now, this word, hallow, means to sanctify or to set apart as holy. So we're praying God's name to be honored and set apart as holy. As far above everything else, we're praying, God, calls your name to be exalted high above everything. Let your name be treated with reverence. That's what we're praying when we, when we pray, hallowed be your name. We're not praying for God to make his name holy. God, by definition, he's already holy. Do you remember the scene in Revelation? The living creatures in heaven declare, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Day and night and day and night, heavenly creatures singing this over and over again. They never stop. God is holy. But on earth, God's name is not hallowed everywhere. God is not treated with utmost reverence and all that he really deserves. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying that God would be rightly honored and acknowledged as holy. That he would be rightly honored as God in our lives and treated with the highest reverence in our lives and around the world. That's what we're praying for when we pray, hallowed be your name. But the question is, how does God accomplish that? How does God cause his name to be acknowledged as holy in the world? Now, there's a passage in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, verses 23 to, through 27. Let me just read it to you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ezekiel 36. Starting at verse 23, says, God says this, And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. 
and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Gathering you from the nations, cleansing you from all your idols, a new heart, a heart of flesh, my spirit within you. When that happens, God says, when that happens, the nations will know that I am God. When that happens, God says, the nations will know that he is God and he will be acknowledged as holy. In other words, when God brings his people from the nations and when God cleanses his people from all their sins and puts his spirit in them to cause them to walk in his ways, which God has accomplished by the work of Jesus in the gospel. That's how God will cause his name to be acknowledged as holy. That's what God says. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're really praying that God would put on display the transforming power of the gospel in our lives, cleansing from sin, the spirit within us to walk in God's way so that we can be holy people as God calls us to. We're praying that God would do that in us so that the nations will know that he is holy, that he is God. But the problem is for us, when it comes to prayer, hallowed be your name is, is usually not the first thing that I pray. I wake up, start thinking about my day, all the things that I have to do. God, help me do this. God, help me do that. Sometimes the kids are fighting, someone's crying, and instead of love and compassion and a, a desire to help and shepherd my, my kids, anger rises in my heart. God, help me. I was sick. I, was, I got the flu last week, and I was laid out for a few days. God, heal me. I knew I was coming here to raise more support, and it's not a small amount. God, provide for me. My prayers are often driven by my needs, my agenda, my success, my comforts, as if to say, God, having my needs met is more, more important than your name being hallowed in the world. It's almost like I'm saying, how will it be my name? Of course, it's okay. It's fine to make requests according to our needs. God invites us to ask that, ask, ask for requests. But that's not where Jesus taught us to start. Jesus says, he is your father. He loves you. He delights in you. And he, he loves to do he loves to provide for you, and he knows exactly, exactly what you need even before you ask. So come with confidence in his love and care for you and pray and seek his honor first and foremost. So how can we go from hallowed be my name to praying hallowed be your name? What, what, what's going to cause our eyes to be lifted above our, our, our little world and our knees to, to seeking the honor and glory of God above all else. In anticipating the cross, Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. When we, when we see the one who in his greatest agony in the garden kept praying, Father, your will be done, not mine. Father, your will be done, not mine. Father, your will be done, not mine. And when we see the one who hung on the cross in our place, in the greatest agony and cut off from his heavenly father so that we might never be cut off from him. But instead, we might be welcomed 
into his family as his beloved sons and daughters. When we see and experience by the power of the Spirit this, this great and astonishing love of the Father in our hearts, and when we, when we see how God the Father loves us and provided this amazing, incredible Savior for us, for our salvation, when we experience that in our hearts, that then and only then we can say, Hallowed be your name. When our hearts are gripped by the love of God in the gospel, when our hearts are gripped by this great love that he has extended to us in Jesus, that's when we can say, okay, God, I want you to be known in this world. I want, I want your great name to be exalted. I want your great love to be felt and known amongst all these people. God, do this in our hearts. I mentioned that Emma's good friend uh, was baptized. Her, her name is Rena. Many of you have been praying for her. And uh, we had been praying for her for a number of years. And um, Emma had shared the gospel with her in so many different ways. And at some point along the way this year, God caused her heart to come alive to him and gave her a new, new heart, new life. And Emma describes the changes like this. She says, when I ran into her in the street this summer, she backed her bicycle up and told me she couldn't stop reading the Bible the night before. Just a few years ago, our street conversation looked a lot different. I was now speaking to someone who God had revealed himself to. The awareness of God and who she was before him had changed. After months of wrestling with the idea of becoming a Christian, her heart was led to have faith in Christ. She got baptized this summer. She attends our church gathering and Bible study. I see her often, and as usual, we still have fun. However, it's different than before. She now has new life, new hope, and her eyes see things differently. And honestly, no one can believe it. Salvation is God's sovereign work, but God invites us to be a part of God making himself known and exalting his name in the world through our prayers as we come together as God's people to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We get to do that together. Did, did you notice that this, this phrase, our Father, that's plural. We get to do this together, calling call on God as our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And I do want to ask you to pray that God would cause his great name to be hallowed among the Japanese people as you remember us in Toyosa Community Church. Continue to pray for us. Pray for the men in our community. Hallowing of God's name is not on their mind. They're pursuing hallowing in their own names and their successes. So pray for men that God's name will be hallowed among these men and pray for the seven adult believers, including us at Toyosu Community Church, that, that we would learn to pray this prayer, learn to pray, hallowed be your name, to display God's holiness through our lives so that more people would come to know this great and amazing and awesome Father that we have. The nations, the nations of the world are on God's heart. One day there will be people from every nation, tongue, and tribe gathering around the throne of God, worshiping God together. There will be a day, but we're not there yet. And that's why Jesus has taught us to pray, hallowed be your name. Because God's name is not hallowed everywhere. But God, remember this, God is absolutely committed to making his name known and, and causing his name to be exalted among the nations. God is absolutely committed to doing that. And so we're not asking God to do anything that he's reluctant to do. He is eager to do that. He's committed to do, doing that. And that's why we can keep on praying for places like Japan with confidence, even if it seems like the, the progress in the gospel is barely noticeable. We can pray with confidence that God will do this as we come together as God's people to pray, God, hallowed be your name. 
So let's pray, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Come together as a church. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name in my life as you, as you work the gospel into my life to display your holiness. And through me, hallowed be your name in the lives of all those around me who I come in contact with who do not know you yet. Hallowed be your name in our families. Hallowed be your name. Cause your name to be glorified in our neighborhoods, in our schools. Hallowed be your name on campus at George Mason University, Northern Virginia Community College. Hallowed be your name in Washington, D.C., in our government. Hallowed be your name. Exalt your name, God, in Japan, in Tokyo, in Korea, Busan, in India, in the Dominican Republic, in Mexico, everywhere where God's name is not hallowed yet. Let's come together, brothers and sisters, and let's persist and persevere in prayer, expecting our great Father who loves us, who cares for us, who is all-powerful to do great and amazing things in the world as God uses our prayer together. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, what an amazing privilege it is to call you our Father. Thank you for your love and delight that you have in us because of your Son, Jesus. God, we ask that you would daily cause us to be refreshed in your great love so that our hearts may truly desire your great name to be exalted, to be treated as holy in our lives and in the lives of people around us who do not know you yet. God, we ask that you would use us as your people to display your holiness, to come together, to seek together the honor and glory of your name amongst the nations. We pray that you would do this for your name's sake, for your great name, for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you drove here this morning, chances are you passed one or maybe several churches on the way here. If you drive around Tokyo, you could drive around all day and never pass a church. And it's our privilege to send and support Seda and Emma while they're there. And so we're going to have an opportunity now uh, to invest in the mission there. If you didn't get one of these cards coming in, ushers, do you guys, are you ready with these things? If you didn't get a card or you need a pen, put, do you guys have pens too? Good pens. If you need a card or a pen, put your hand up. And I wanted you to hear this morning from one of our members. Jordan Lawrence recently asked me a question about uh, investing in this particular mission in Tokyo. And he had some very helpful thoughts. So I wanted you to hear from Jordan. I want us to consider as a church whether the Lord is specifically calling us to give substantial, to give substantially to Seda and Emma's work in Japan? And I think the answer is clearly yes. One indicator of that is that Seda has come out of our church. He came to the Lord, was discipled, was ministered here, sent out from this church. But there's also a second indicator that I just want to point out and emphasize, and he alluded to it, is how uniquely crafted Seda is to minister to the people of Japan because he's Japanese. I was reading in Operation World, and, and you heard the statistics, 126 million people, tiny little Christian community. It is the largest people group. Now, he said it was the second largest of unreached. 
it's the largest people group where there are no legal restrictions of outside missionaries to come in and minister. But they've basically had no effect. And Operation World says, because the outsiders, it's such a steep uphill climb to learn the language, to learn the culture, that it's very, very difficult. But with Seda, God has just cut right through all those obstacles. He's just bypassed all those obstacles. You think about this. Here is some Japanese man in his 30s or 40s who has had some, he's married, has two kids, he has some level of material blessing and success in business, and he is just feeling empty inside. No answers. This hasn't really satisfied at all. And yet this sermon we just heard about the Father's love, that's exactly what they need to hear. And the Lord is raising up somebody who looks like these men, who speaks their language, who knows their culture. I mean, I think this is something we have to get behind. Now, one question you might say about this is, well, this is a lot of money. I'm not sure the exact number, but I think it's north of a quarter of a million dollars. And you can think about that. Wow, you know, there's other countries where we could spend that kind of money and it would really go a long way. But I don't think God's principle for us to be good stewards of our money operates that way. I think it's applying it the wrong way to think something like this. Because essentially what it's saying is this. Sorry, people of Japan, you don't get to hear the gospel because it's really, you happen to live in a really expensive place. That's not way to think about it. I think the way to think about it is something like this. Has God prospered us to help this effort? And I think that he has. And I think as you are considering what to give, Make it deep, sacrificial. That is what I and our family have done. So that the light of the gospel, as it's moving in South Korea, it's moving in China, it will also move in Japan. Japan, the people there call themselves the land of the rising sun. And I pray that that God was giving them with that name for themselves, that what they were anticipating was the light of the gospel coming. Isaiah 61, arise and let this be years from now and in eternity what we think about when we think about Japan, the land of the rising sun. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. So the reality is, if churches like ours, from cities like ours, don't send people like Seda and Emma, who's going to be able to afford to do that? And so we do have a unique opportunity. So if you want to take a look at these cards, I just want to walk through you, walk through with you uh, what, what's here. There's really two things you can identified uh, to, to providing support to, to Seda and, and Emma. Um, first is to pray. Let's not discount prayer, right? That's really important. Second um, is to contribute financially, and there's a real financial need. Over the years, our church has been the primary financial supporter. We continue to be uh, supporting uh, the, the, this mission, partnering with city to city to provide uh, development and, and, and growth for this New church, but the reality is, Satan and Emma, they need to widen their support base. They need a stable base of support, especially monthly support, to be able to make this go. And so they're uh, reaching out uh, to within our church family here, but also uh, uh, other churches as as well. And the need right now is the goal would be to raise five thousand dollars per month in addition to current support. So that's a significant. Need And as Jordan said, it's an expensive place to live. You're 
three-bedroom apartment in Tokyo might go for about $3,000 a month, and that gets you 800 square feet. There are people around here with garages that are bigger than 800 square feet. That's it's just an expensive place to live. And so we have a real privilege to invest. And so if you can, if, if you can give one-time gift today, that's great. You can fill the card out and, and, and note that. And we're going to pass baskets in a, in a moment. And whatever's given today, obviously, if you uh, do tax deductions, that gets deducted in 2018. You can make a monthly commitment and you can make that payment a number of different ways. There's information on the screen and on the card as well. Or you could commit to giving an annual gift as well. Um, this, is a, this is a no pressure from Mark moment, but this is a the nations are on God's heart moment, isn't it? Let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the nations praise you. Let the Lydias and the Renas of the world, people that we may never meet this side of heaven, let them hear the good news and have the same chance to respond that we have. So we're going to just take a moment and just, I just want to ask you just to quietly pray and consider. And you, you may not be ready to make a decision today, and that's fine. You can hang on to the card. You can turn this in later or make a commitment later. If you're already giving and, and uh, you want to uh, in, increase, you can note that on here or just continue what you're doing. You can note that um, on here as well. But we're going to just take a couple moments and let's just Let's just pray and ask the Lord, God, how, how do you want me to hallow your name right now? So let's, let's quietly consider what to do. Father, our Father, Father of people in Northern Virginia and Toyosu and Chibok and to the ends of the earth, our Father in heaven, may your name be revered and praised and glorified and exalted in Toyosu, in Tokyo, and in Japan. And what we give now, may you multiply it and do great things for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.